Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden of Witts University in Johannesburg, South Africa. A very good afternoon to you, Kobus. Good afternoon. And Kobus, we were just talking before we came on air today about some of the results that are coming in for our annual uh, podcast listener survey that we started to send out across Facebook, on our newsletter. Uh, you can find it at chinaafricaproject.com slash Facebook. And the feedback has been absolutely invaluable. Some of it a little bit, uh, how should we say it, Kobus? Um, does it, 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 it's... We're not sensitive. We're not sensitive at all. But it's just kind of funny because <laughs> you don't know what the feedback is when the audience kind of is listening to this. And so it is so refreshing to actually hear people and what they think. So we are really pleading for everybody who can hear this to go to our website at chinaafricaproject.com slash podcast and fill out a very short survey to tell us what you think of the show, some feedback, um, what you think of us, you know, what we can do to improve it, because all we really want to do is make a better show for you. And so if we hear from you, then we will absolutely adapt to what, uh, to what, you, what you want and what you say. So uh, today we're going to talk about Chinese foreign aid in Africa. And for that, we're going to be joined by uh, a, someone who's becoming a regular guest on the show, Hannah Ryder. Hannah is the head of policy and partnerships at the United Nations Development Program in China. Welcome back to the program, Hannah. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on again. It's, uh, it's wonderful to talk with you again. Your team at UNDP China recently came out with a new report called Demand Driven Data, How Partner Countries Are Gathering Chinese Development Cooperation Information. Now, the title is a little bit ambiguous. Uh, but it really, when you dig deep into the report, it really gets into uh, Chinese aid. And this is something that's been a very, very fascinating topic, particularly for a lot of our listeners who are in government and academia, trying to understand what is really an opaque system. And it's very, very difficult to understand. The aid world as a whole is undergoing a profound change. There was a real slowdown in global aid uh, following the 2008-2009 recessions in Europe and the United States. That slowdown really held in place until about 2013. Then last year, led by DFID in the UK, uh, aid budget started really tacking up quite a bit. And in that time, we've also seen a real dramatic increase in Chinese foreign aid and overseas development assistance. Now, the most notable kind of report that came out of this, I, I call it notorious because I don't think it's necessarily accurate, is a report that came out, Cobus, was it last year or the year before that aid data came out with their magic number of $75 billion of, of Chinese foreign aid into Africa? I think it was the year before, but okay. I'm, I'm speaking out in the correction. Well, that was a very controversial number because they based their research on media reports. Now, this new report that the UNDP in China, they did not include media reports, if I'm correct, Hannah. And, uh, and so why don't you just, before we get kind of too deep into the, into the woods on Chinese aid, give us the headline and the overview of the report and why it's significant. Okay, well, basically... Um, as you've been saying, uh, Eric, that uh, Chinese aid data is fairly difficult to get hold of. Um, it's certainly been, there's there's two official information sources that have been uh, provided about Chinese foreign aid over the last few years. The first was the white paper on foreign aid in 2011, and then the next was in 2014. And those really, the 2014 paper was a real um, improvement, certainly on the 2011 paper. The 2011 paper had Chinese aid cooperation kind of spanning over, um, over at least 20 years. 
Um, and then the 2014 paper um, had information which was spanning just three years. But even so, it was still very uh, aggregated. So it wasn't disaggregated by country, sector or year. And so it kind of, even though it was real progress and shows that um, the Chinese government does want um, more and more people to understand Chinese foreign assistance, it was still quite complete. And it's difficult, you know, to be able to say, you know, well, which country in Africa is China's priority? You know, all of that information is just well, what sectors is China really focusing on and supporting? Um, that that's that's very difficult. And in particular, we thought about it um, because UNDP is often involved in um, coordination of aid uh, processes in recipient countries. We thought about it from their perspective. Um, we thought, well, you know, they want to have information on, on Chinese foreign aid because they want to be able to plan their budgets. They want to be able to um, plan and understand the impact of, you know, higher levels of concessional loans and so on. So um, we kind of, we turned the question about Chinese foreign aid on its head in a sense of, let's not think about it from the central perspective. And, and you know, the, the typical perspective is, you know, um, let's try and gather all this information about China because you just want to know what China's doing. But it's more, okay, well, what are the partner countries actually doing and what are they thinking? And uh, and we found this source. Um, there had been a, 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 a survey that was done of recipient countries, um, which was done in 2014 as part of the exercise of this uh, fairly new organization called the Global Partnership for Effective Development Corporation. And the, that partnership has a has a bit of a history um, with in in terms of foreign aid coordination and so on. Um, but it turned out that eleven countries, through this survey, had reported data on Chinese foreign assistance. So what our report did was pull this data together and interrogate it and look at it. Um, and it turned out that um, just those eleven countries, for instance, if you look at if you take an average of the amount of China's development cooperation that it reported in that 2014 uh, report, uh, these 11 countries make up about 15% um, on average uh, of, of the um, foreign assistance. So um, it was fairly significant. Um, that said, they are 11 countries which are uh, completely in different parts of the globe. They include uh, Nepal, which is you know one of the uh, 10 poorest countries in the world, um, versus, you know, um, Samoa or uh, Moldova, which is in a completely different kind of situation. Uh, so the, the 11 countries are, are fairly random to a degree, but the fact is, is that they self-reported, they established the relationships with uh, the Chinese counterparts in order to get this data. Um, before we we get more into the details of of these different countries, um, I wonder if you can you know kind of help me with a very basic concept. Is how um, did you in in doing this process? How did you define aid? Um, you know, kind of one of one of the controversial issues um, in Chinese aid has been you know kind of making the distinction between between development assistance and other kinds of financing. Um, you know, kind of, and I remember when the aid data, um, they, you know, kind of numbers came out, people were picking them apart in terms of whether they really represent, you know, government like aid traditional aid or whether they develop they represented some form of 
project financing or you know something that that would that would kind of start to fall outside of the concept of aid how how should we think about the concept of aid itself in in reading this pro- this report well that's a really good question um and and as you say there is lots of controversy or questioning about what really is defined as chinese aid and china has its own the chinese government has its own definition of what is included in the um in the foreign aid paper for instance and um, there's a number of different types of of foreign assistance that it provides but that's not the same for instance that india might define its foreign aid if it does um so actually in many ways we kind of move we we tried not to think about it from that perspective either um what we what we found was these 11 countries have had individual conversations with a very important counterpart on the ground in the countries and that is the economic counselor and it's that economic counselor who um has in a sense verified the data that's gone into these that went into the reports and into the, let me survey. just understand when you say the economic counselor that's the economic attache at an embassy at a chinese embassy correct it is um they may be housed in the same uh they might be housed in the same building in some cases they're not in some countries um but what they are is they are they are um, they are uh, government officials from mofcom the ministry of commerce got it um whereas the uh normal embassy uh other embassy colleagues might be will be from the ministry of foreign affairs so mofcom economic counselors do have uh they have they are are charged with the responsibility of coordination of aid and also of um the private sector activities in that country uh so they are very very important um counterparts and in some cases we think that sometimes the uh discussions about foreign assistance or kind of china's engagement often misses out the role of the ministry of commerce officials and um we found that all of the 11 countries had good uh good relationships with the economic counselor so that was that was something very important you, you know when i was reading your report and you know i i am a and people who listen to this podcast know this for a long time a, a very vocal critic of the aid business and the aid industry um particularly in africa uh and i in this one area i do sympathize with the chinese who have said that and they've been very vocal in criticizing western aid over the decades and saying that a trillion dollars of western aid has gone into africa to very little effect and there's a lot of data to support that and so there were two things that came to mind when i was reading your report one was how the chinese for a very long time have said they don't really want to be a part of this aid system and yet it feels like the UNDP is trying to kind of pull them into this aid system. Uh and the other part of it that kind of came to mind is that you're kind of pulling data from sources that are notoriously unreliable. The Chinese have never been known for being transparent. In fact, the actual aid figures, I think Deborah Braudigam at Johns Hopkins has pointed this out, is a state secret. Um it's a national security secret. Um so so we really don't have much to go on and so it feels like so much of these reports whether it's yours or aid aid data or any it's just speculation uh based on flawed data going in what is the response that you and the team would have to a, a critique like that well i think first of all um we we the, the issue of flawed data was exactly what prompted us in a slightly deeper way in a slightly different way to how the aid kind of conversation about china goes 
Um, and and I think partly, you know, I, I don't think it's a case of UNDP trying to encourage China to move into the system. Actually, far from it. It's more that what we recognise is that there is a demand, and this is the the title of the report, as as you mentioned, there is a demand from the partner countries to understand the Chinese flows. And they want to understand that because it helps them budget better, it helps them plan better, um, it builds their capacity. And I I don't think the Chinese government would want to in any way be uh, have feel that it's stopping that process happening in terms of building that capacity. And 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 you might say that you know you said that uh, Deborah Bradigan said that uh, some of the aid data is a is a state secret, but um, I think I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case. And um, and I think probably two pieces of information uh, kind of exemplify that, which is first of all that the aggregate foreign assistance is something which China's perfectly happy to talk about. And second of all, um, you know, in Moldova, for instance, the Chinese the Chinese Economic Council actually approached the Ministry of Planning or Finance, I'm not quite sure exactly which one it was, but whoever was responsible for producing the data, saying, hold on, why aren't you including Chinese data in there? So it was actually the Chinese government that did that. And our understanding is that particularly um, at the end of December 2014, there was some new aid measures, which were um, some sort of new legislation published in China. And uh, and this really gave MOFCOM some more stronger role in terms of the coordination at, at the country level and also coordination uh, here in Beijing. Um, I think one of the reasons why we think it is very difficult for the Chinese government to do all this is that it's actually just complex. It goes back to the question that Cobus was asking of um, the 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 fact that, you know, Chinese support encompasses different aspects of development. Um, and, you know, you have to have some normative decisions sometimes, you That's know, right. how do you how do you value a loan? How do you value an expert's time? Um, everyone has different answers to that. And, uh, and I mean, that it would be wonderful for China to start engaging in these questions, but it's actually quite a difficult, um, it's, you know, capacity to do that in terms of the number of officials uh, engaged on this issue is is not high. That's and yeah, also, yeah, and that's a fair point. In the, and the apologize to interrupt you there. Uh, that and I also don't want to misquote Deborah Braudigam there. So let me put, take her off the hook on that. Uh, but what 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 Deborah does say though. And, and, I, and I speak of Deborah here only in the context that she is widely known as one of the, the most prominent experts on Chinese foreign aid, is that, as yeah. you pointed out, actually classifying what is aid, what is a concessional loan, a low-interest loan, a, you know, a no-interest loan, while some, some may define that as aid, other may define that as business, you know, does the role of the state-owned enterprise playing into this, is that for profit for the state-owned enterprise, or is that actually, a, you know, part of the aid package? And so how you kind of classify, quantify, and categorize Chinese financial engagement in places like Africa becomes incredibly difficult. Yes, exactly. It's true. And, you know, there are big debates going on and have been going on uh, between the OECD uh, countries on how they do that. And, you know, they are normative decisions. Um, and, and you know, China will engage in that 
at its own pace and if it wants to. I think what we are trying to do is is just at least certainly not we're not pushing China towards that in the slightest, the Chinese government towards that in the slightest. We, we're, what we're suggesting is that there are governments, recipient governments, that really want to understand Chinese foreign assistance. And if China does want to eventually provide a full picture, disaggregated, of its assistance in a way that partner countries are happy with and that partner countries themselves understand and can verify then this might be a really good route to actually rely on the partner gov- country government systems to do that. Eric made the point earlier that, that the Chinese are notoriously difficult to get data out of. So, But um, Hannah, in, in your report, you, you made the point that they seem to be getting better with that. Is, is that, is that you know, kind of, can you confirm that, that it's getting actually easier to get numbers out of China about aid? Well, it's our understanding that, um, that if the partner country wants to get this kind of information from the Chinese government, the Economic Counselor Office is going to be a great starting point. And they have been, uh, these economic counselors have been incentivized to provide that kind of information. Um, So if they're asked, they uh, will provide it. That said, we also know that in some of the countries, it just took a while. You know, for instance, Cambodia now has a pretty accurate reporting system for Chinese aid. And it's pretty important because I think China China provides something like 30% of, of, uh, of, of Cambodia's foreign assistance. But it's been engaging with the Economic Counselor's Office since 2007. So it, it can take a while. Um, but we really saw a big jump between 2011 and 2014 um, with a a shift of two countries providing this kind of information to suddenly 11. And so who knows, there's going to be another another data collection process which will start um, in October 2015. And it's possible that if partner country governments use that as a reason to go and speak to the economic counsellor and say, hey, look, would you be able to provide this information and verify this information. This is what we think we've got. Um, Can you help us? Um, It's possible that there might be another 11 in the next next report. Um, Who knows? Um, So so just to confirm, so that means that it's really up to the to the the um, governments in Africa or other kind of you know aid recipient countries to to kind of to push that process do they do they have incentives to either get that information or not to get that information well what we also found was that these countries have the countries that we um, that we the 11 countries that reported Chinese information they had um, something called aid information management systems um, and these are uh, sort of manual reporting systems, which have been slowly introduced, and now 46 countries have them. Um, and they are, are one of the, wherever you've got a sort of aid coordination section um, in a Ministry of Planning or a Ministry of Finance, those are the guys that will use this kind of information. Um, and increasingly, these those people in the Ministry of Finance and Planning uh, are interested in going to going to look at Chinese 
foreign assistance because Chinese foreign assistance is, as we know, playing a larger and larger role uh, in these countries. So there's every incentive to try and get a bit more information about it. Well, let's try to put some of the Chinese foreign assistance into some context here. And these are some numbers that I got from, and there's two scholars that I think people should kind of pay attention to. One is Dr. Philippa Brandt, uh, who's with the Lowy Institute. She's been doing China-Africa studies for quite some time and is well known in that space. Uh, and then the other, of course, is Deborah Baudigam at the ChinaAfricaRealStory.com. That's her blog. Uh, she's also at Johns Hopkins University. Let me kind of just put the Chinese numbers as they are according to the 2014 white paper that you pointed out. Um, uh, figures from the, f- the white paper suggest that China channeled, uh, this is from your report, $14.41 billion of development cooperation from 2010 to 2012. Now, let's consider the same, this is the annual aid budgets from OECD countries. Uh, and, and you might be able to correct me on this if I'm reading these numbers wrong. The European Union uh, spends $86 billion, the United States $31 billion, the United Kingdom $17 billion, uh, Germany, $14 billion, and uh, Japan, $11.8 billion. So China spending 14.41 over 2010 to 2012 compared to the tens of billions spent every year by the, the OECD uh, top countries there. That's a pretty big discrepancy given that China is the world's second largest economy. And does it surprise you at all that the aid numbers are still considerably lower than, than what they should be given China's economic size? Well, um, it's not really a surprise, to be honest, because China also still has an incredible degree of poverty in the country. Um, you know, there are still, depending on what poverty line you use, something between uh, 70 and 200 million people still in poverty in China. So there is still an important role for the Chinese government to play domestically to address that, you know, it's made a major challenge still. Um, but that said, you know, there is in, there's uh, uh, China is increasingly taking, you know, its responsibilities uh, seriously um, for with with regard to being such a large economy, a global economy, um, and and this is becoming important to China. You look at uh, you look at the um, you know newspaper reports. You look at things like what just happened in Nepal, and China is playing a very, very big role um, in supporting Nepal in in recovering from that earthquake and so on. So, you know, this is something that China is going to wants to increasingly help other countries, and that's you know that's welcome in most cases. Um, but also, there's there's an aspect about well. Other countries also just want to really understand what China's priorities are as well. And, and you know, we encourage that because that empowers them as well as empowers China. Kobus, give me your final thoughts on this. I'll give the last word to you. When you read the report and when you see the aid business in Africa, um, where do you see this going with the Chinese? Well, this is actually what I want to ask Hannah as well, is, you know, on the one hand, it does seem that China seems to be moving in the direction of becoming a slightly more what one would think of as a conventional aid donor. Um, but, you know, kind of which is which would be a, a big shift because so far China-Africa relations has very much been characterized as South-South relations, um, as something new, you know, kind of a, a move beyond the kind of traditional North-South, you know, kind of donor, you know, recipient 
relations. Um, but you know, kind of one one of the challenges to making that assertion has has exactly been this issue of data, and that it that it is difficult to get the real nitty gritty data on Chinese um, Chinese aid. Um, so actually, Hannah, I'd actually like to give my last word to you actually, um, and ask: Do you actually foresee a, a kind of a conventionalization of of Chinese aid in the model of say Europe or the US or are we still dealing with essentially a radically different model the kind that that economists like Dambisa Moyo has essentially celebrated a few years ago as being an, an alternative and an antidote to the traditional Western Africa relationship well I think what we see is um, there is very much a, a focus for China and I think this is because of its situation of still being uh, uh, a developing country still being a country that has a good degree of poverty, um, the focus is on win-win cooperation, and that is a very important principle for China. And I don't think that that will that will go away. Um, it is a very important principle, and there are other types of principles that China, and probably rightly so, really shouldn't uh, will will not want to move away from. For instance, the principle of country ownership, with, which is an international principle. Um, for development cooperation, but you know, even the traditional donors have a real difficulty with uh, necessarily meeting that uh, principle as well. Um, so, uh, what China will is is showing increasing interest in. I mean, we see this China showing increasing interest. You can see it in the um, in the foreign aid white paper, an increasing interest in kind of demonstrating the results of its development cooperation. It's showing an increasing interest in not just sticking to the traditional infrastructure and um, uh, uh, economic sector type assistance, also looking at um, poverty alleviation, uh, capacity building, um, less uh, areas of of, uh, foreign aid that it hasn't really um, tried before. And, uh, and um, we're working actively as UNDP China, working actively with the Chinese government on that, trying out these new approaches. Um, but I don't think that means, as, as, as you were saying, Kobus, I don't think that will mean that China loses its, uh, its um, should we say, particular brand of foreign assistance, which has this country ownership and the win-win cooperation at its heart. And I don't think that will be, that would necessarily be a problem for for anyone, and in particular, there's a lot of partner countries that are very, very happy for that to be the case um, and to work with China as that kind of South-South cooperation partner. So, um, yeah, that that would probably be my last word. <laughs> okay, well, that is a good enough last word. The report is Demand-Driven Data, How Partner Countries Are Gathering Chinese Development Cooperation Information. It's about 52 pages long. Uh, and if you're into data and if you're into aid and Chinese foreign aid in particular and to understand how the changing kind of mosaic of Africa's foreign aid, and again, this report isn't only about China and Africa. It does, in, in fact, have uh, China globally on aid, but it, it is all relevant to Africa because of Africa's prominent role in the aid business and the aid market. Uh, Hannah, what if people want to be able to read this report? Where can they go ahead and find it? Well, um, go straight to the UNDP China uh, website Um, We have a section which is called South-South and Global Cooperation, and you'll be able to find it there. 
Hannah Ryder is the head of policy and partnerships at the United Nations Development Program in Beijing, China. Thank you so much for joining us on the show again. Thanks for having me again. And Kobus, if people want to follow what you're reading and writing these days, what's the best way for them to stay in touch with you? You'll see, uh, you'll see me on our Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com slash China Africa Project. And I'm also on Twitter at Stadenesk. That's S-T-A-D-E-N-E-S-Q-U-E. Kobus and I are updating uh, our Facebook page every day, 24 hours a day almost. So uh, for all those of you outside of China, it's a great way to stay on top of uh, China Africa news. Uh, for, unfortunately, for those of you inside of China, and I'm sure you know the UN probably has a wonderful direct connection out with a wonderful firewall that lets you get over the great firewall. So you can probably access our page. But uh, unfortunately, other people have asked us, can you do? Can we do social media on other platforms that aren't blocked? Uh, when we have a little bit more time, we will do that. Uh, and also, I just want to put one more call out to uh, fill out our uh, listener survey at ChinaAfricaProject.com slash podcast. Uh, you can go and find it. If you subscribe to our newsletter, which many of you do, uh, we've put a link in our newsletter this week, so keep an eye out for that. Of course, our newsletter, you can sign up on our website at ChinaAfricaProject.com. Every week, Kobus and I put the top China Africa stories, about five or six, so it's not too much, uh, plus a podcast and an, an academic research report. And next week, by the way, Hannah, we will go ahead and put your report in our uh, in our uh, weekly newsletter, so that way everybody can get, can get a copy of it there. So we'll be back again very soon with another edition of the China in Africa podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.